The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the On the Farm podcast. I am your host, Kyle Brown. We are on the PitcherList podcast network, newly minted. Check out all 20 pods when you have a chance. I am joined by the first lady of fantasy baseball, Shelly V. You can catch her pretty much anywhere where prospects are written about these days. Uh, her, and her Twitter is Shelly V underscore 643, tailor-made Twitter handle. How you doing, Shelly? I'm doing fine. My podcast feed is not doing fine with all of these podcasts that have just like come into my feed based on the, you know, picture list uh, podcast network. But uh, yeah, I, I'm doing fine. I just have way too many pods to listen to. It's really quite an issue. I share <laughs> your, your pain because I used to pre pandemic, I used to drive, I don't know, four to six hours a day doing what I do. Mm-hmm. And so I got to a point where I needed more, you know, I was running out and I was listening to the ones I liked the most sort of over and over again. I don't do that anymore. So <laughs> exact same. I don't same. even know. Yeah. I don't even know how to handle the onslaught. And with the, the 20 pod influx that picture list just dropped on us. I mean, I just, yeah, you, you really can't keep up. You have to try to figure out how to, how to pick and choose and go back where you can, but it's uh, it's not a joke. The pods are flowing. We must all really want baseball content, something like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I used to be the same. Um, I used to travel for work and now I don't travel for work. So now I'm like trying to figure out how to fit my podcast into my, you know, my life. But I love, I love all the content, all of the new pods I've, I've been enjoying. It's, it's really great time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you got to uh, be a part of something over the weekend at PitchCon. You were on the, the prospect panel over there. I got a chance to check that out. Yeah, what was uh, what was that like? That's sort of, it's another one of those things where there's so much content. I looked at the feed on YouTube today and I was like, all right, well, I guess I have my week planned out in terms of background. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, PitchCon, PitchCon I, I, I really, really just enjoy because I could just like kind of just pick like different, you know, uh, segments that I could that I really really wanted to listen to but then like during the week I can listen to other ones that I didn't get to but yeah it was it, I was really honored to be asked to be on the 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 prospects 
a little panel there. There were a lot of guys on there that were much smarter than me um, and that I really, really look up to. But it was just like, it was just like really cool to just, you know, take some time to, you know, talk about prospects, you know, help a good cause, just everything. No, certainly good. There's, there's almost, there's so much there. There's like hard hitting analytical, I mean, honestly, analysis of analysis type of stuff happening there. And then there's just, you know, good old baseball talk and, and a lot of fun stuff. There's, you know, Eno swearing a whole bunch. If you, if you want to stay up late with him and play some <laughs> poker. So really there's something for everyone. So I was able to this weekend dive into a little bit of the college baseball. Did you get a chance to catch any of that? Is that your flavor? I, I had issues with the college baseball stuff because I could not find it on my YouTube TV feed. And I was really upset because I'm like, ugh. but I got, I really need to figure that out because it's clearly going to bother me. Uh, but I basically watched like my college baseball through my Twitter feed and just seen all of the pitching, especially um, as we're recording. So as of yesterday, you know, um, rocker and lighter going for Vandy and just seeing all of those gifts yesterday. I'm just, uh, I just, I want one of those guys to fall to the fourth pick. So the Red Sox can get one of them. I don't know if they will, but hopefully. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a very, I gotta say I'm a, I'm a Pirates fan. So I was watching that, those games with, uh, (laughs) with, I mean, I was, I came in to that day, all Kumar rocker and I left wanting Jack lighter more mm-hmm. than anything I, I can't I mean the coveting the coveting is real uh over here for me <laughs> because I couldn't and I was watching early on where they had the gun that was off so it was hitting triple digits even though that wasn't exactly what was happening he was still obviously pumping some heat but it wasn't triple digits yeah. and I was just like so this so we just have Jacob deGrom it's just Jacob deGrom on the mound darting 100 mile an hour fastballs on the corner <laughs> annihilating people so yeah I'm I'm fully on board with with Jack Leiter coming to the Pirates this year I hope we make that decision. If we take Kumar, then great. But I think the only chance you have is Kumar. Cause I think if lighter, if we don't go with lighter at one, I just don't, uh, I don't see, I don't see him falling much more than one. I mean, if he falls to four, it'd be a crazy coup for the, for the Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like I was seeing like all of the preseason stuff and like lighter was going like five or six. And I was like, at the time prior to yesterday, I'm like, no, there was like no way that the Red Sox would pass on him. But yeah, after seeing yesterday, I'm like, yeah, none of those are going to fall to the Red Sox. But enjoy one of the two. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully we don't blow it. Um, and I can I also share your pain in terms of getting access to those feeds because uh, I was trying to piece together some weird constellation of, uh, how should I say, logins. Uh, and, um, yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, hitting up my friends and I'm like, so what's the deal here? Well, I'm trying not to pester you, but he's pitching right now and I need this and you need to stop everything. And I need to figure out how to get to, you know, I was, <laughs> I was that dude. I was definitely that dude. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk to you today about some, you know, sort of thinking a little bit more about redraft and just the prospects that are going to, well, prospects, some of them won't feel like prospects anymore, even though they are prospect eligible in a lot of leagues and, and, you know, they're going to be able to count for you when it comes to that. And just as like a, a framing question for this, is there anything different this year in terms of how you're treating prospects with regard to redraft? I know normally it's a void because you want actual production and there's no minors and there's no next year, but we sort of 
you know, we've obviously been thrown quite the curveball with the pandemic stuff. Is there anything different prospect wise for you? Are you more interested in trying to capitalize? Are you sort of staying even further away? I guess maybe for me, it's a little bit, I guess it kind of depends on the prospect because I, I feel this, this sounds now that I'm actually about to say this, this sounds like really weird. I, I feel safer with the prospect pitchers than the prospect hitters from a redraft standpoint. You know, maybe guys, uh, first guy that comes to my head, like Dylan Carlson, I would rather have, I, I feel safer with someone like Ian Anderson or Sixer Sanchez, who are still prospect eligible. And what Carlson has done, like I kind of fading just a bit. So it just feels weird to actually say that I trust prospect pitchers more than prospect hitters currently. I can confirm that that sounds <laughs> weird to hear. Yeah, but I'm also, I'm also, you know, feeling, I don't know, feeling similar, I guess, you know, when it comes to a lot of my, my home leagues, I'm stacking mm-hmm. on pitchers more than I ever have. Um, yeah. And so it's weird to, to be doing that. And I guess I'm going for the death by a thousand cuts route, hopefully not my own death, but you know, you bring up Ian Anderson, you bring up Sixto and those two are really interesting. They're very similar in ADP. So Ian Anderson is going 95 uh, in Fantrax 98 on NFBC. Sixto's going 103 and 133 on NFBC. And if you had to pick between those two going into this year, just for this year, who would you go with and why? Um, 100% Ian Anderson. And it's not because I dislike Sixto. I just don't know if those strikeouts are going to be there. I know he has that, you know, that electric sinker, sinker that can get to like upper 90s. Uh, but you know who's someone else who has the exact same thing? Dustin May. I love Dustin May as well, but I'm I'm not going to bank on that. Give me Ian Anderson who has a lot more strikeout stuff and I will take a gamble there. Yeah, I'm I'm totally in agreement with you. The Sixto, you know, Sixto came in last year with the major league stuff. His K to 9 was 7.62. That is pedestrian. Uh, actually, that's actually far below pedestrian. That's some sort of, you, you got a walker crossing the street. So yeah, I guess, and that's, the stuff is, this. and if you bring up Dustin May, it's a very good comparison because when you look at a singular gif of a pitch of Dustin May's, you would assume he's striking out 15 guys per nine innings. And he just hasn't been able to miss the bats despite throwing pitches that sort of defy the laws of physics. And Sixto is similar in that way. And he didn't, he didn't come with elite K numbers in the minor leagues either. I mean, they weren't mm-hmm. bad, you know, they weren't an mm-hmm. issue and you trusted the velocity and some of the stuff in general and the changeup is crazy, but if he's not going to get you the K's and then you add on top of that, okay, how many innings is he going to pitch? And then you add on top of that, how much is Miami going to let him roll out there? If mm-hmm. we're not in an expanded playoff situation, I don't think Miami's going to surprise us this year like they have done in the past, but give it a year or two and they'll probably, you know, be in contention in some way. Yeah. So then you look at Ian Anderson and he's playing for a team that's going to be in it, you know, going for the division, going for everything, frankly. And I mean, I don't know how much he's going to pitch either in the terms of total innings, but I know that there's more skin in the game for Atlanta and he's proven it, especially on the strikeouts. But I guess I'm also just wary of giving a, like giving a pitcher who's tossed 32 innings plus a little playoff action, a top 100 pick. Yeah, I agree. Again, like, I mean, I love Ian Anderson. I love, I love him, but I, I, I have been drafting 
you know, just other pitchers at that point. Um, because I know that he's had walk issues in the minors. Um, he's, I mean, he's kind of like, kind of worked on that like a little bit, I think in 2019, uh, when he went from, I think, double A AA to triple A. If you looked at his walks per month, it did get down. So if you look at the overall number, it's not that great. But if you look at month per month, it's better. So I, I was encouraged by that, but I'm still not going to draft him where he's currently being drafted because I need to see more. And I know that I, I just trust some of the other guys at that kind of at that window um, more than Ian. Yeah. And I, I give you some names of some, some pictures that are being taken after him or right around him. It, it all sort of depends. The NFBC and the fan tracks are they come from different foundations. You get a little bit more yeah. dynasty thrown into the fan tracks. The NFBC is pretty raw. What are you going to give me this year? And then there's no trading and all those things. So, you know, but guys who are going after Ian Anderson this year, Chris Paddock, Patrick Corbin, Julio Urias, Charlie Morton, Joe Musgrove, Frankie Montas, Marco Gonzalez, Aaron Savale. And it's not like we've seen, you know, there's some, there's a mixed bag there, right? You have like the, the reliable Marco Gonzalez, who you know is going to pitch the full season and probably put up some pretty good numbers that will just continue to surprise us all. Um, I hear he's very boring. And, uh, you know, and then you have someone like Julio Urias, who's going to have the Dodgeritis, but he's got the K's. Morton is going to potentially return you ace level value for one year or, you know, SB2 maybe. And so, I, yeah, I, I would have a hard time going all in on, on Ian Anderson here with what else I could get, you know, and to take it to some of the prospects that, you know, even like a Dane Dunning, you know, a Dane Dunning's going 150 picks later, he's pitching in what appears to be a great pitcher's park. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got a full leash for the most part. He's going to have opportunity. They're not going to take that away. I just, I would have a hard time waiting. Sorry, I would have a hard time taking Ian Anderson instead of waiting. And I'm always a waiter on pitchers for sure. That's, that's definitely the case, but yeah, you know, and I'm looking at when you look at projections too, and I want to ask you this, D.A.V. Garcia is someone who he doesn't come with, you know, Ian Anderson's got the rotation spot, but when I look at D.A.V. Garcia, who's being taken 267 and 308 in NFBC, and I compare him to Ian Anderson, and I look at what they're both projected to do, which is like 120 innings and like K to nine over 10. Mm-hmm. I, I just have a hard time sort of letting the, the little playoff burst that Ian Anderson got give, you know, make me take him almost 170 picks ahead of someone like JV Garcia. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Garcia, especially like for the long term. Um, I do think that he might be kind of more of a reliever. But that, even that being said, for this year, give me whoever who give me someone else around Ian Anderson, whether it's a pitcher or a hitter, and then take Garcia as just a gamble. I I'm totally all I'm I'm all for that. Yeah, I, Garcia is going to be Garcia is one that I really am interested to watch how that mm-hmm. unfolds because he was pretty he was really good when he came up at the end of last year and he defied a lot of the preconceived notions that I had about him, despite watching him pitch in the minor leagues. I was just pretty surprised. I was, I was so surprised with how deep the Yankees let him go into games multiple times, Mm -hmm. which, which is really just killing my, yeah, I think he's short. He's, you know, he's, he's throwing some, I don't know. He's got some walk issues, but he also seems to have a little bit, maybe better command and maybe he's nibbling too much, sort of hard to suss out. I don't know. And it's interesting to hear a Red Sox fan who loves Pedro Martinez say that a short person can't turn into a dominant starter, but 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Garcia just like totally boggled my mind last year. Cause I, I, when I saw that the Yankees were bringing up, I'm like, okay, I, I know what, I know what I've seen in the minors. Um, I've seen starts of his on MILB TV. I've seen him where he shoved. I see him where he's walked the park. I'm just like, okay, I don't expect really anything. And then he was like really good and totally boggled my mind. So yeah, I, I, I hope that that is still there. Uh, but again, you know, give me that late draft pick, that late draft flyer um, versus someone who like Ian Anderson that's going, and maybe even Sixto, that's going just a tad bit too high for me. Yeah, I really can't even justify Sixto there just knowing that I'm not going to get strikeouts. Yeah. Even if, you know, even if Sixto does his thing in his, in his, is his best self, it's probably still a nine K to nine, maybe a little extra on top max, you know, but if, if it's yeah. somewhere in the middle, what are we like, you know, mid eights, low eights type of stuff. And depending on your categories, if you home run, if you suppresses home runs and things, it's not bad, but one Oh three, the hype train is rolling, you know, and it's rolling for both Anderson and Sixto. I, I was curious to ask you about a guy that I have not seen much of. And I, I imagine you would have clued in on him a little bit more being a, you know, a Red Sox lady is, uh, how do I say it? Hauk? Hauk. Yep. So Hauk came up last year and he threw up some pretty impressive K numbers and he's scheduled to be in the rotation this year. I mean, what's your take on Hauk? He's being taken 295 and 368. What do you think about Hauk? Yeah. When I said that, uh, Debbie Garcia, uh, like totally boggled my mind. Um, I was absolutely shocked what I saw with what three, four starts out of Hauk. I have really not been in on Hauk for a while. I just, he's changed his mechanics multiple times coming up through the Red Sox system. And then they put him in the bullpen, like trying to like figure out some things. I'm just like, I I just don't think this is going to work mainly because I don't trust the Red Sox pitching development. I'm just like, it's it's Mm. just really not going to work. Whatever. He needs to add another pitch, la-di-da. And then he comes up and he adds a slider and it's just, just so wicked. It's so awesome. And I'm just like, okay, wow. The Red Sox, they actually had a pitcher develop another pitch that he was supposed to, and it was working. I don't know how it's going to work in the long term. And I think that the the draft position currently is I, I think it's a I think it's a fair kind of like late flyer because I I I really want to see that that third pitch just a little bit more to see if I believe in it. But I was absolutely shocked uh, with what Hulk did. Yeah, I agree. I was sort of, you know, it was a year to almost forget about Red Sox pitchers for <laughs> for, for fantasy purchase purposes. And then, of course, you know, someone picks up Tanner Hulk and I'm like, oh, what happened? Oh, we struck out 10 dudes. Oh, all right. Well, now I have to pay attention. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it's he's probably not going to be in line for many wins this year, but he should be given the opportunity to to run it out there for better or for worse. You know, that could lead to some some bad games that would lose some head to head weeks for some people. But yeah, he's he's the kind of late round, you know, 200 picks after Ian Anderson, where. I'm just going to try to stack up a bunch of those guys at the end of my draft, focusing a little bit more on, you know, hitters that I know are going to produce, let other people ride the hype train and hopefully hit paydirt on one or two of them. You know, it doesn't, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't need to hit on every late guy for me to be able to cobble together a staff, I guess. Yeah. 
All right. Well, as we're talking about hype trains, first, before we get into the nitty gritty, are you fading Wander Franco right now? Are you in the fade Wander Franco camp a little bit? I might be. Oh, um, my. From a fantasy standpoint, I am. I know that we're about to talk about Jared Kalenic. So I have Jared Kalenic above Franco, just from a fantasy standpoint. Um, and there's like multiple f- factors that's going into this. And most likely I will be wrong because Ronda Franco is just amazing. Um, so I, I really do. I, I hope that he proves me wrong. It's just everything. It's kind of like a lot of ground balls. Um, it's being on Tampa Bay who can just, who do just really weird things and just everything. I'm just like, they have so many other guys that they can, so many middle infielders that they could just like really tinker with him. I'm just like, I, I don't know if I want to deal with Wanda Franco, which sounds really weird to say. Um, but I am definitely kind of fading him a little bit. I am still all in on Franco because he mm-hmm. has a, he has a prospect profile that just makes me weak in the knees. Um, Agreed. These are the same, you know, and I don't want to necessarily put all these people in the same breath, but I will but I absolutely will. I'm like a, you know, I'm a Louis Arise guy. Uh, Louis, mm-hmm. Louis Arise and me are, we're thick as thieves. I can't, I mean, I turn into his at-bats. He basically is a, a, in, a, in a lot of ways in terms of the way he stands in the plate. He's very, he reminds me of Juan Soto in the way that he's just so swaggerish. Mm-hmm. He just, he's actively shaking off the pitches that he's taking. He's staring you down with his little teeny doubles power bat. And it just doesn't make any sense. He's like the biggest guy in the, in the, in the box, but you know, he, he doesn't really hit any home runs or is likely to hit more than 10 home runs maybe in his whole career. <laughs> but I just, you know, those guys I'm really attracted to guys that can't not make contact. You know, I've, I got a very hot love affair with Tyler Freeman going right now. Oh yes. And I'm obviously a Nick Madrigal stand. Mm-hmm. And you know, this, this hasn't led to a lot of fantasy baseball championships. I'll tell you something right now. But I like watching them. So, you know, what can I do? That's my poison. But that said, you know, you, you, you talk about Kellenic. We are going to talk about Kellenic. I hope I'm saying that right. I've heard it like 17 different times today. <laughs> so we're just going to keep going on with Jared Kellenic. And if I ever get a chance to meet him or interview him, he can correct me with grace. So Jared Kellenic is going 175 and 217 in NFBC. And I think it's, I was expecting when I looked at this data uh, or I looked at this ADP, I was expecting it to be lower in the NFBC. I was expecting fan tracks with a little bit more dynasty involved to have that number be higher. And I was sort of shocked that it wasn't lower for the NFBC, considering that even before the comments made by Mather, we just don't know about the playing time, when he's going to come up. And he has yet to, you know, smash some of the higher levels just because of the pandemic. You know, alternate site stuff is great, but it's just, it's hard to say. And then you look at, you know, sort of thinking about Kalanick in the same way we just went over Ian Anderson and Sixto. We got Kirilov, who's got a little bit more of a, in my opinion, a secure path to playing time. And he's playing for a team that is going to want his bat because they're winning now as opposed to Seattle. And then you have Joe Adele, who's been faded all the way down to 358. And then you have someone like Christian Pache, who keeps sort of showing a little bit more and more as he continues to rise. And because of his defense and because of where the Braves are at could very easily play the entire season and continue to surprise us all. And so, yeah, I mean, when it comes to how, how aggressive would you be with Kellenic this year, I guess is the question. 
yeah, um, I'm I'm actually pretty aggressive with him. Uh, I was trying to I I did a tag team at FBC draft uh, with uh, Justin Mason this past weekend, and we actually did take. Uh, Kalinic with our, I don't have the exact number that we took him, but we took him out as our third outfielder. Oh, wow. Yeah, which might be a bit aggressive, but we were hoping that, you know, we're going to stash him for a bit and think that he's going to come up relatively soon. We probably took him a tad bit too early. Uh, we, we, we were just in love with the talent, especially like if seeing that Kirilov is going like, you know, what? 200 plus well almost 200 150 picks after him and knowing that Kirillov probably has an everyday playing time we probably did something wrong there um I just I, I just keep seeing all of these videos of Kalinic just jacking home runs and I am just so enthralled and I love it and I'm just I'm all here for it and I, I do think that he will come up probably after the service time stuff. So I'm willing to take a gamble there. And I do think that he is going to hit when he comes into the, into the major leagues. I I think if I was doing, and I honestly don't play in any redraft leagues right now, it's just not something that I have going. I I just don't, uh, I'm all dynasty and keeper leagues right now. And while I don't have the bandwidth to expand, although sometime in the future, I'm sure I will, but I'm looking at, it's hard for me to, the Kalanick and Kirilov stuff is, is difficult. And I know there's a little bit of service time stuff with Kirilov as well. And there's even some log jam stuff you where you have to worry about Kirilov getting enough at bats, even, even when he comes up in terms of, I mean, the twins are loaded with, with guys who can hit and need to be DHs. And Kirilov is sort of trending that way, though. I'm not going to bury him, you know, with that yet. And then I look at even lower, a guy like Christian Pache, who admittedly I don't even like. I don't even like Christian. I mean, and he's going to be an amazing, I can't wait to watch him play like oh, real, yeah. real baseball, maybe, yeah. you know, top 10, top five prospect, whatever you want to say, the defense puts him puts him apart. I guess I just keep, you know, maybe it's just Ralph Lipschitz just getting into my head uh, very deeply <laughs> and just, and just living there because I can't, I can't, it'd be hard. I mean, you're talking about a 200 pick difference roughly between, between Pache and Kellenick. And I think Pache's path to playing time is m- much more stable. And is, is yeah, and the defense is going to keep him there. And again, maybe that's not going to be so great for for the for the doldrums if he's if he you know has a, a, a bout of bad production. But I don't know, Kellenick in a redraft, I would probably be the the person letting somebody else take him as their third outfielder. Because I so well, let me ask you this question: What's your backup plan in that league? Who's who's the fourth outfielder that you're putting in there? Yeah, so we had so our outfield currently is um, Juan Soto. Uh, Randy Arrazareta, Jerry Kalenic, Manny Margot, Josh Naylor, Oscar Mercado. Okay. I do like that Naylor, that Naylor pick. I feel like Naylor is going to yeah. get a, ch- a chance to, to show off a little bit as much as he can. And in Cleveland, I also just love that his brother just, you know, that his brother's already there. I, I know that doesn't mean too much, but I, I want to make it mean a lot. And, I, <laughs> and I'm a big Bo Naylor fan. I've been, yes. I've been, uh, I've been on the, I don't know if I'm the high man. I'm probably not actually, because I think baseball HQ has him very high on their, on their Cleveland list. But anyway, I'm, I just, that whole narrative, I'm, I'm a sucker for the narratives. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Right. I'm a sucker exactly. for that narrative. And when Naylor showed up and hit well, I was like, well, clearly it's because his brother is also, it's fun. <laughs> must be, must be fun to text your brother after you hit a home run in the dugout. Exactly. 
Yeah. Well, and I guess so. We'll just add a few more names into this. Um, so you got Kellenic at 175, 217, as I mentioned. Then there's two other names, and their path to playing time is much more stable. And you mentioned one earlier, and it's Dylan Carlson and Ryan Mountcastle. And Mountcastle's, you know, with the Orioles, great park. Definitely has shown that he can hit. Doesn't have a full fantasy profile, but if you play in five by five, he's going to be, you know, four categories. And then Carlson, who did a little stutter step at the beginning of, uh, you know, when he came up last year and then went down to the alternate site, came back up, looked a little bit different, but of course, small sample size for the, the resurgence, if you will, however many 10 games where he, he did some, he did some slugging. It was good. You know, when I look at, when I look at Kellenic at 175 and I'm thinking Mountcastle, I'm got to take 20 picks higher, but he's, his, you know, playing time is not going to be hit at all. So so I guess if you had to pick one, would you be would you be aggressive on Kellenic or would you be potentially taking Mountcastle or Carlson? Sounds like you're not taking Carlson, but what do you think? Uh, yeah, uh, I would definitely take um, I would definitely take Mountie. Um, I think that he's going to have playing time. Uh, I, obviously, he's not going to steal, but I I believe in that hit tool. I believe in the power, especially in Camden. You know, give me that all day. Um, I'm looking right here. He did go before Kellenic, so he wasn't available. But we did choose Kalinic over Carlson. That could be a little bit interesting. We were basically kind of like going for just upside when it came to uh, Kalinic. Um, but Carlson, don't sleep on him. Like I, What he showed last year, honestly, don't look at that. That was a lot of 2020 COVID, Cardinals, crazy stuff. Um, I still believe in him. I do think that he could probably be like Mountcastle, but maybe with like a little bit more stolen base potential. Cause we always know that Mountie is not going to, he's not really going to run. He's not that guy, but Carlson pick up some steals, but I think you got, you know, a good average, some steals, good power, good lineup. Carlson is just going to be just really, really, really good. I agree. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Carlson. I think the only I was taking a redraft and I was having to, to decide between those two players, the one thing that would worry me would be the depth that the Cardinals bring and mm-hmm. that they might, you know, the NL central is not competitive. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> but in the fact, in so far as it's not competitive, it, it's a little bit wide open for several of those teams. And I, you know, I, it's going to be a weird year. I, I sort of felt like the Pirates could have signed like three top free agents, which they would never do. And all of a sudden been in contention for a decent amount of time. That's probably a pipe dream. But the point is they have a lot of outfield guys. They're, they're burying Tyler O'Neill on the bench right now, for example. If Carlson falters for any amount of time, similar to what happened last year, you know, they could pull back. Whereas with Mountcastle, uh, even if he has one of those you know, periods of time where he isn't able to get walks and isn't able to get hits. Although I will say he walked 11 times when he came up last year. And that was almost, that was like a third of what he walked in a full season the year before. So like Mountcastle, my biggest knock on him is that he doesn't walk enough for my mm-hmm. taste. And if he actively is trying to do that and he has the leash to figure it out at the major league level, and he turns himself from like a, what, like a three, 4% walk guy to like a seven or an eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that could really help that hit to a play up. He's playing in all those tiny little parks in the AL East. Who knows if where Toronto will be, but some minor league stadium, I guess, which are all I'm actually doing a little piece on minor league stadiums in there. There's some really weird ones out there that are really uh, power friendly, we should say. And then some mm-hmm. just cavernous ballparks for 
you know, 18, 19 to 20 year olds to try to hit it. And it's a weird year in the minor leagues. I'm trying to figure out how to pre-evaluate before we start getting games. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I have a lot of Carlson shares. I'm a big fan. I think he's sort of a complete player. I'm hoping that he isn't just good at many things. And then he finds an ability to be great at at least sort of one thing. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how much the steals are going to be there. We'll sort of see, but the, uh, you know, the Cardinals look good. And that's my only concern is that they don't, they're not just going to run him out there forever with the amount of options they could bring up and, and fill in if he's not yeah. hitting. Yeah. Was there anyone, you know, well, I, I gave you a list of, of ADPs. Was there anyone who you thought was too low or you highlighted as a value play or anyone stick out to you? Yeah. Um, when I was looking at this list, I'm like, it kind of makes sense. I can kind of see this. I can kind of see that. Um, I guess when I got towards the bottom, I'm just like, um, why? <laughs> um, there were two guys that, that stuck out to me. Um, it's Yusnel Diaz. I think he was for the for Baltimore. I just yeah. don't see where he's getting any playing time. And then Johan Duran. I'm like, I, I, I don't know why someone would draft him. I mean, I, I, I really like him, but I would honestly, if you wanted to, to spec on a Minnesota pitcher, I would spec on Jordan Belazovic before Johan Duran. So Belazovic, I did the, I took on the twins this year uh, mm-hmm. at, at pitcher list. Yeah. And I have been, I was a big Belazovic guy going into last <laughs> year. I still am, I suppose. I, I love the the K numbers and the the control numbers that he's showing off and a diverse pitch mix and sort of a weird body, which mm-hmm. has also been able to stay healthy. So I sort of like all those things in terms of deception and just pitchability seems pretty high. And then I was looking into, you know, Duran mm-hmm. and assuming that I would have Duran lower. And I, I did end up putting him lower on my list, but I was surprised to see the power that Duran pitches with and how mm-hmm. he's a little bit more prototypical in terms of the starters build and, and what he's coming with. And so it's, you know, very similar to last year when Diego Garcia came up instead of Clark Schmidt for the Yankees, mm-hmm. it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens when the twins get hit with injuries. And I'm, I think this is a question for everyone this year. Pitching staffs are most likely going to take it in the teeth when it comes to injuries. And we'll mm-hmm. s- we'll see some, we'll see some prospects and, and guys get shots. Duran, I don't know. I'm, I think there's a decent chance. And I got some, some pushbacks from some people in terms of Duran, you know, versus Belazovic mm-hmm. and Duran. I don't know. He, he, he also has a little bit more reliever risk because I don't think the control is there as much. And he's sort of classic, you know, like I said, power pitcher with big fastball and, and he's got a weird pitch called the splinker. Yeah. That's, I think that's his own moniker, but uh <laughs> Yeah. And then, you know, I was recently talking to one of my buddies about Yusniel Diaz and he, he hit me up and was like, I think you're, I think you're a little bit low on this guy. And I was like, ah, I don't know. Well, why, why should I like him? And he sent me some highlights and we, we chatted about it for a little bit longer. And I, I came away feeling a little bit more bullish on him than before. Shout out to my guy, Mike, but he, I don't, I'm not sure if it's, if it's just people thinking Baltimore will give him a shot. And so they're going to take mm-hmm. him, you know, as a flyer. And I think it's also a little bit of that. Well, he did well in double A the last time we played baseball. Right. So is last year triple A or is he going to go to triple A and he really needs seasoning there? How much seasoning? And I mean, I, I don't think Baltimore will bring him up. So that was, yeah, I was sort of surprised to see him as high, I guess I'll say, as he was. Yeah. He's still, he's still in the 600, but it means that people are picking him. 
Duran, though, I'm curious. I feel like we could be surprised. I think that the Twins, in a pinch, could bring up Duran before they bring up Belazovic if all things sort of go, you know, not well. Yeah, Yeah. that's the word I'm looking for. So (laughs) two people that I saw that I guess one wasn't shocking, but again, it goes back to that, well, where would they have been or what would be their timeline if they didn't lose last season, quote unquote. And one of those guys is O'Neill Cruz. And yeah. there's, there's an argument to be made that the Pirates will keep O'Neill Cruz down to manipulate the time. There's also an argument for the Pirates are stacking a lot of guys right now, and particularly mm-hmm. in the shortstop position. I mean, Gonzalez is going to play second, but anyway, like I feel like Baguero is going to come up and he's, mm-hmm. going to, he's going to be the shortstop of the future because he's going to be able to handle the position defensively and, and hit enough, in my opinion, to, to, to at least hold down that, that position for several years for Pittsburgh. There's almost an incentive for, for the pirates to bring up Cruz and see what he is. Yeah. You know, is he, can he play shortstop at the major league level? Well, let's try him out. Don't let Kevin Newman hold him back, you know, like, and, and then if, and then if he isn't going to, well, all right, let's try him at some other positions. And maybe that's when he, you know, goes back down or whatever. But I guess I would be, if I was running the pirates, which I wish I was, though, I'm a fan of what Charrington, (laughs) I'm a fan of what Charrington has done. I would give Cruz I'd get, I'd bring Cruz up and see what I had in him. And if it didn't go well, bring him back down. You know, he seems a little boomer busty. So I guess I would just be, I'd be super curious to see what he does. And maybe that'll start in AAA for an extended period of time. But if he mashes in AAA this year, I want to see, I want to see what he is. And he seems to me like a, a good draft and stash candidate at, you know, pick whatever 700, he even had a 760 in the NFBC. So he's on the radar of, of people that are just hyper-focused on this year. But that's sort of like, let me just talk about my pirates. Um, the one pick, though, that I didn't understand why, why they were so low was Garrett Crochet. Because mm-hmm. Garrett Crochet, to me, seems like the kind of, he's, you know, he's going to pitch in relief this year for the White Sox. They don't have, they got some bullpen arms for sure, but that can always get decimated. He could throw, he could just throw 30, 40 innings to strike out 80 people. He could have a K to nine of 17 and, yeah. and be this little lightning bolt. And he's all the way down at 507 and yeah. 485 in the NFBC. Do you, how do you feel about crochet this year? Do you feel like he's going to be another version of like a Liam Hendricks for a year? Or what do you think? Um, I, I am really interested in Gary crochet. Like if you're taking him that late, I, I mean, I don't think that he's going to be the closer, but he could definitely be, be a guy that you could just put on, on your active roster Great ratios, get those Ks. And honestly, like if you, this is how I kind of like do uh, kind of like weekly leagues or where you can like move pitchers, you know, Monday through Thursday. So you have like a Friday thing. I, if you have Gary Crochet and he goes, what, he pitches two games, two, three games in the week, he's probably going to give you more Ks than like some schlub that you'll put in there to try to get a win. And he's probably going to give you better ratios. So that, that is the type of guy that I will just try to sneak into my active lineup to help with ratios, help with Ks and not kill me. And I don't have to deal with just kind of like these number five, number six starters hoping for a win. Like it's a really good kind of, uh, kind of cushion. He's sort of, he could potentially give you what Devin Williams did for a lot of people last yes. year. Yes, definitely. You know, and, and Devin Williams, if three innings from Devin Williams might be worth more Ks than one start from Sixto Sanchez. 
yep. very, very easily, you know, and I think it's, it's very interesting to see what is going to happen. You know, we were already sort of trending this way with the way that the Rays do things and other teams sort of adopting a little bit of this opener stuff and bullpens becoming more robust and pitchers getting injured more velocity being just out of control where I just, I'm so curious to see where pitching goes in the next five to 10 years for the majors, especially with the crunch of the pandemic. And, you know, every, no one is stretched out. No one really got a full year. Everyone was doing things sort of in isolation and to see whether or not the rising tide of Rapsodo and just general pitching analytics in general, push, push major league baseball teams to do more, to go down the pathway of the race, to sort of abandon the win and abandon the closer and abandon everything. I guess almost like a college baseball aspect where, you know, your starters are going four innings, maybe five if they're just dealing and the pitch counts are low, but you just have an arsenal of bullpen arms and no one is pitching more than two or three innings. So I, and I look at what the Dodgers have right now. And I mean, they're, they're set up to, they could just throw many guys, three innings, just all the time, just abandon starters. I'm very curious to see where it goes. I feel like Garrett Crochet is a, is a good example of what's possible because maybe you don't want to let him go six innings and risk all the injury that he's already, you know, incurred a little bit of with the flexor strain. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely will. I'm going to be trying to get some Garrett Crochet this year. I feel like he's going to be a sneaky pick late in drafts. Yep. I agree. Well, now it has come to the time of the show where I make you vote a prospect off the island. Oh, boy. Yep. We're playing prospect survivor. It's going <laughs> to be a tough choice. You're going to have to snuff a torch of someone very good. <laughs> I'm going to try to tease out something. We'll see what we got here. I'm going to give you four names. You ready? Yep. First name, hometown Tristan Casas. Second right. name, Andrew Vaughn. Third name, Spencer Torkelson. Fourth name, Adley Rutschman. Oy vey. Oh, Andrew Vaughn. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Talk about it. Oh, I mean, it's really hard. I mean, obviously, Rutschman and Torque, I just was like, I'm not even going to discuss them. I think that they're really just going to be amazing talents, amazing bats, just everything, just Chef, chef kissed with those two. And then when it comes to Casas versus Vaughn, I absolutely, again, this is a Red Sox fan talking about a Red Sox, our number one prospect. So take this with a grain of salt, you guys. I am in love with Casas. The, the power is there. The, the, the hit tool, while it's coming along, I think that it can get there. Seeing what he does in different counts, like in two strike counts, he chokes up on the bat, kind of like, kind of like Joey Votto. Like he chokes up on the bat, just make sure that he doesn't strike out. That is amazing to see with someone as young as Casas is. And again, I'm not trying to poo poo um, on Andrew Vaughn. I think that he's going to be a great guy, but Casas is just, he, for how young he is, he is really aware with just everything and then just add on that power. Casas, I think, is going to be a dude. That was what seems to be happening more and more. He is rising on lists yeah, massively. I mean, I, I'm having a hard time finding him outside of the top 25 for a lot of places, especially regarding fantasy. And I think it's interesting. We have had some recent, and I I, I tailored this this foursome of, of dudes specifically <laughs> to, to see if you would vote Casas out. And you didn't. You passed the test. Um, <laughs> 
And, you know, Vaughn's an interesting one as well. I, the, the, we could very quickly be sort of getting into Jordan Alvarez territory with Vaughn in terms of being a utility only player. Yeah. He'll probably have some eligibility at the beginning parts while the White Sox figure it out. But Jose Abreu, not a bad first baseman, definitely going to still be hitting for a while. So, yeah, Vaughn's an interesting one. I, I do like him a lot. And I, I guess it's really just trying to shuff off the, the first base stuff. You know, the, we, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's weird. And we've gotten a little reports with Torkelson being worked out at, at third base. I still think long term he's yeah. going to move over to first base and there's going to be a vacancy there in the near future. Though all those guys are, are very elite, but Vaughn is someone that he is sort of a hybrid of a lot of the stuff I was talking about earlier with elite contact and on base percentage and guys who don't strike out. And we'll see. I'm a little worried that he's getting pushed too aggressively and that the White Sox are, are bringing him up into a climate of, well, sort of weird, a weird flow with the new manager they have with all these youngsters. And then is he, you know, he didn't destroy the minor league levels. He's not doing the things that Jared Kalanick did. He's not doing the things that Julio Rodriguez did. I I fully expect Spencer Torkelson to make a mockery of whatever level he's put at to begin this year. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know. I, that's, that's one of my worries with Vaughn is that he is just being pushed too aggressively and nothing's happened yet. Right. I'm just looking down the yeah, road yeah, yeah. and I'm just seeing what the, what the white Sox have going on and what it seems like is going to be the plan this year. I, I just worry that despite a very polished bat, despite the exit losses, despite the dominance in college, that he just might not be ready to, to hit the major leagues uh, in a pretty competitive vision, especially you know, he's got to deal with all those Cleveland pitchers, which despite the trades are still very good. That's my only concern with Vaughn this year. I think we won't see Rutschman for a while, though. We, we should, and I want to. Uh, yeah. You know, Torkelson, maybe if he just hits 350 this year, they'd give him a cup of coffee for funsies. But, uh, but yeah, Casas, he's got, a, he's got a path to playing time. No one's, no one's holding him back. I don't know how aggressively they, you know, how aggressive they're going to be with Downs and Casas, but the future is not, uh, especially with what they have in, was it Duran Duran? Uh, um, yeah, Duran Duran, yeah. Yep. There's there, there's some brightness for the for the Red Sox after a little bit of, you know, nastiness with last year and all that stuff. But we can just forget about that. We can leave that Ex- in the past. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I'm a Pirates fan. I'm very good at looking to the future. I am so sorry. It's okay. I appreciated the, uh, <laughs> I appreciated the kind words that you gave to them when you're in your top 50. Uh, I appreciated the, you know, some pretty aggressive rankings. I like that, but I'm, I don't know. I'm happy to be a Pirates fan right now because I get to watch a lot of minor league baseball this year. There you go. There you go. Is there uh, anything you want to plug that you're working on right now before we send it off? Um, not really. I'm just, you could just kind of just find me on Twitter. I promote there um, at uh, Shelly V underscore six four three. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see you're taking a little bit of a breather after ranking seasons at the Dynasty Dynasty Guru and top fifties and pitcher list. It's it's a bunch. Yeah, yeah, I kind of take it a breather here before I uh, jump back in and uh, all this preseason stuff. Yeah, and the breather is necessary because we are about to get spring training data and we haven't had data in a while, and I imagine we're all going to freak out. When, Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, if 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 my Twitter and sounds like your Twitter, when Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker were pitching, are any indication of what is going to happen this spring when we get one camera angle? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's it's going to be wildfire. Going to be wildfire. Yeah. Uh, well, awesome. I uh, I really appreciate you coming on and just chopping up a little ADP with me as we're gearing up for uh, for spring training. And I hope whatever bake you have going on next goes well. 
Yes, I, I, my husband has been just waiting for me to start baking. I've taken kind of a break because I've been working from home and I keep teasing that I'm going to bake something and that I don't. So yeah, he's like, come on, hopefully, hopefully something comes soon. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I just uh, attempted a Swiss roll. Uh, over the, uh, yeah. You know, the old, the old GBBO classic. Yeah. The, how'd that go? Um, well, I, I'm proud to report that I absolutely crushed the whipped cream game. I whipped oh, up the yes. cream amazingly. It was the best mm-hmm. whipped cream that ever was. Mm-hmm. and that the Swiss roll had a giant crack in it and we ate oh, it as quickly as possible and we're going to make another one. There you go. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that is all you can do. That is all you can do. Awesome. Well, you can catch uh, Shelly V, like she said, at Shelly V underscore 643. You can catch me on Twitter at Caught Looking. That's with a V instead of a U, the Roman way. And you can catch this podcast at On The Farm PL. Check it out. Give us a follow. If you can give us a five-star rating to get us on the board somehow, some way, I would appreciate it. And then check out everything that's happening at Pitcher List. All of that PitchCon stuff is on YouTube. Get at the Pitcher List. You know, Nick Pollock's Twitter, it's all there. There is an incredible onslaught of, of content coming out right now. So pick your pods, pick your articles, read as much as you can. Go back and learn trigonometry because you're going to need it. So, yeah, uh, with uh, with that for for Shelly, I am Kyle Brown and we will talk to you later. Mm